0: And at that tipping point in chapter eight, he kind of turns his his face towards Jerusalem and moves out of the northern part of Israel in the Galilee area and starts to make his way s- south towards Jerusalem, knowing what Jerusalem holds for him. And so he's getting ever ever closer. Uh, in the last several episodes, he's been in Jerusalem and has arrived in several encounters in the temple engaging with, the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, uh, the Sadducees being tested constantly. And and every time it seems that he people try to test him, he not only passes the test, but he shows them to be tested and found wanting as they engage with him. And we see the ways in which they're trying to preserve their own power or status or identity. And so um, those are some things that have recently occurred. And so now we turn our attention to Mark 14. We're going to be in verses 10 through 21.
1: Oh. 10 hey, this through is, 21. This is a this is a big passage.
0: <laughs> it
1: I'm
0: is. I'm super glad leave? you're here for it, too. Oh, this is great. The
1: internet is bad. I
0: can't
1: hear <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. All right, let's do it.
0: When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome to the Take and Read podcast. Pastor Chad here, and so excited to welcome uh, a much-anticipated returning guest, Casey Noble. How are you doing, Casey?
1: I am great. It's so good to be here.
0: Yeah. So uh, there's a a big difference between what your winter looks like and what our winter looks like up here. But how's everybody doing? Are you guys navigating the the winter with all the sicknesses going around? Everything. How's how's your crew?
1: We're, we're, there's not a lot to navigate. It's not quite that harrowing.
0: <laughs> well, I, what I it, enjoyed was uh, prior to this recording, we were trying to figure out a time for you to jump on and record a podcast with me. And rather than explain to me through a text and say, oh, I'm not feeling well or whatever, you decided to send an audio <laughs> of your voice. And it was much deeper than mine. and at the time and very very much like a very white yeah you
1: needed (laughs) to really get the full effect of why you would not want me to be anywhere near any kind of microphone at that particular time yeah I did get a little have a little summer winter sickness there that um that has passed thankfully and no one else has gotten and we're we're just moving right along just got back from a little winter trip skiing and Got cool. a little taste of this, the white stuff that you guys get. And yeah, and good that. taste
0: of it. Nice. Mm-hmm. And so you're a skier and not a snowboarder?
1: I'm not a snowboarder. Uh, I do ski, but I wouldn't call myself a skier. So, okay. but yeah, we, we, we go with the family. It's one of our favorite family activities
0: because okay. everybody's and everyone's a skier.
1: Everyone's a skier, but it took, okay. in fact, I was visiting with a, a family that we go with and we were saying, I'm so glad we toughed it out through the wow. hard years when you're like bent over and you're trying to help him ski and you're constantly doing, de- sure. because now it's great. My oldest is not my youngest is nine and they can ski by themselves. And it's a great family activity and everyone's mentally and physically engaged. And, you know, it's, a, it's a great. It's a great family sport, but you just got to get past those front day, those
0: f- right. first You got to, you got to endure the little years and you the gotta, pizza yeah. You know, they mm-hmm. talk about the, the pizza versus the french fries, how to stop, how to navigate and how to get all so the stuff yeah, my up. whole crew were skiers. Although some of my my kids want to try snowboarding and are pretty convinced that they would be good at snowboarding. So we'll see if they become bilingual eventually.
1: But yeah, and, Naomi uh, snowboarded this out. year and last year. So that we do have one snowboarder in
0: the family. Okay. There. Yeah. So you're branching out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, what else has the Lord been kind of doing in your life? Uh, where, where have you been reading lately, and kind of what is yeah. He showing you?
1: I've been immersed in Esther lately. Okay. As that's our church is walking through Esther on Sundays, as well mm-hmm. as in our Wednesday men's and women's Bible studies. So I've been very okay. immersed in Esther and deeply enjoying that in a way that I haven't really experienced Esther before. So I'm really thankful for that. And, you know— uh, The Lord has I don't I don't really have a grasp on all the words yet, but Hmm. he's just been working a lot on my heart lately in the area of pray differently, (laughs) kind of pray in a different way than you've been praying. And I don't know what that is, but he's been really um, pushing a lot on my on my prayer buttons. So reveal with that. What that means, what that obedience means, there,
0: so. for sure. Yeah. yeah, and it's one of those where you just kind of you get the sense that that's something the Lord wants you to pay attention to, and then it's a you want to fix it right away, but then you just gotta wait and be yeah. patient and try to understand what that means. So, wow, that's interesting far. season, and that's yeah. been kind of prompted by the time in Esther. You think?
1: Uh, I think it started at the time in Esther, and y- you know from from it Esther starts a little differently or a, a particular when I'm in that season because it starts with a lot of times creating the materials for the Bible study. And mm-hmm. so the product comes before sometimes the time I get to spend with the Lord. So it's right. usually sandwiched in and that product can really eat away in the wrong way. And the Lord's been really gracious that I, I didn't have that product pressure this time as okay. much as time with him and in him in just beautiful revelation of how his hand is just intricately and constantly, even in the what seems super mundane to me. So
0: mm.
1: yeah. So I, I'm great. eager to Lord what the Lord brings from the 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 pray pray differently.
0: That's awesome. And you know, you speak to the, the product pressure, this, the idea that for, for folks that maybe lead a Bible study um, or teach the Bible regularly, whether that's in the context of your home or a small group or you're a teacher or a, a pastor or a minister or something like that, there is that pressure to spend time in order to produce – Uh, teaching, insight, understanding for other people. And it's, man, it's easy to just kind of, to slowly fade into pure production model and mode rather than feeding yourself on the word. So I just, man, as you even share that, that's, that's a challenge. That's a good, it's a good reminder.
1: It's, it is that, that, that's something that I wish I would have been a, more aware of before mm. stepping into ministry that there, there's a. It's it's hard to believe before you experience it that there that you can separate the product from the savior, mm. and yeah, but it's possible.
0: Yeah, uh, recently um, I was talking with a, a group of folks about sometimes we want the the provision. More than the provider, we mm, want the stuff sorry. that we get from from him, and not that we're wrong to want that stuff. Not that we, because we're very needy, we're very temporary, we're very broken, so we're in constant need of God to provide, and and so we're in a situation where we need His provision, and it's very easy just because we're spring loaded for idolatry and. Uh, manipulating things and perverting things that were, were spring loaded to take all the the provisions from God and, and to prefer them over Him or yeah. to replace Him with those things or our desire for those things. That's that's a challenge. Uh, right. And rather than seeing these things as kind of uh, tributaries, that when we follow them back, you know, to the headwaters, uh, we see you know, the source of all that's good and right and true. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's good, good reminders. Well, um, and the challenge is in this podcast that we don't come in order to produce, even though that is, there is a product where you and I are going to spend time in the word and we pray that it's uh, beneficial to those that engage. And so, um, as we get ready to read um, this word, we come humbly. And so uh, I'm going to take a moment and just pray, with us, pray for us as we get ready to start this. Father, I, I thank you so much for the time that I get to have with Casey. Pray that as we read your word, that you would illuminate it to us, that you would help us to see and understand what you have for us, that we would be fed today by time with you in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen righty well we're gonna take and read um, out of mark 14 we're uh, continuing okay. our time in Mark so even though it's been a while since you've been here we're still in Mark and no. we're making we're taking our time uh, but it's good it's been good time uh, however we are getting closer to the end of this gospel uh, by way of reminder to everybody and you and myself, uh, the Gospel of Mark earliest account of the life and ministry of Jesus, we, we understand from tradition that it is the product of Peter's preaching. And so, we, we understand this to be, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit through the personality of not only Peter's teaching, but also John Mark, who uh, captured this and then uh, wrote it down for the early church. And there's been some consistent themes throughout this gospel. Uh, One of those is that that the kingdom of God, that that Jesus is about bringing the kingdom of God when he preaches his gospel. Uh, It's about the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the kingdom. And then we see that continual theme of authority and his demonstrated authority over all uh, parts of creation. So whether that's the physical or the non-physical, the and the, the spiritual realm over the demonic, uh, over uh, sicknesses and storms. I mean, we see his his authority demonstrated time and time again, and so now we've we've seen kind of this shift when, in Mark chapter eight, Peter confesses ultimately that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Messiah, and at that tipping point in chapter eight, he kind of turns his his face towards Jerusalem and moves out of the northern part of Israel in the Galilee area and starts to make his way south towards Jerusalem, knowing what Jerusalem holds for him. And so he's getting ever, ever closer. Uh, In the last several episodes, he's been in Jerusalem and has arrived in several encounters in the temple, engaging with the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, uh, the Sadducees being tested constantly. And, and every time it seems that he people try to test him, he not only passes the test, but he shows them to be tested and found wanting as they engage with him. And we see the ways in which they're trying to preserve their own power or status or identity. And so um, those are some things that have recently occurred. And so now we turn our attention to Mark 14. We're going to be in verses 10 through 21. Oh. 10 hey, this through
1: is, 21. This is a this is a big passage.
0: <laughs> it Not is. Bad. I'm super glad leave? you're here for it too. This oh, is great.
1: Internet is bad. I
0: can't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. All right, let's do
0: it. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm reading out of the ESV. How about yourself?
1: I am reading out of, it's an I've got an NIV right now. What do you think about okay. that? I've got some others Perfect. behind. I grabbed grab No, this. that's great. I grabbed a NIV cultural background Bible that I've kind okay. of been into. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. All righty. Well, let's jump into the text. Uh, Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them, him being Jesus. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, "'Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover?' And he sent his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and whatever, or wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready, there prepared for us. And the disciples set out, went to the city, and found it just as he had told them, And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him, One after another, Is it I? And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the, the dish with me. And the Son of Man goes, as it is written, of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Okay. It's, it's, it seems like a, an interesting place to stop. Uh, would, but as it continues, it kind of turns away from that idea of betrayal and mm-hmm. moves on to something else within that very scene. And so we're going to stop there and just wrestle with this passage regarding Judas Iscariot. So just in brief, let's summarize what we know about this text and and all the players and what's involved. So what what are the things you notice, first of all, what it's saying? Who's there? What's happening?
1: Judas is there. Obviously, the 12 are there. Mm -hmm. Judas being one of the 12, Jesus is there.
0: Yeah, and you kind of have these two episodes, even in the text that we read. There's the the f- verses 10 and 11, where it kind of just gives insight into Judas Iscariot has now decided he's going to betray Jesus. He goes to the chief priests in order to kind of get this arranged. Uh, they were very glad. Uh, they mm-hmm. promised him money. And so then he was moving forward from there, looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. And, you know, we understand they're pretty excited because – the last several, um, at least within the last chapter and chapter thirteen, there's clear sign and, and they've indicated multiple times that they want to get rid of him. They want to kill him. Uh, he is is a major disruption in their status quo, and they need to deal with him. And they've they've struggled because they you know during the feast they can't really there's a lot of people there and they don't want to risk uh, you know a a riot or something like that, and so. They've been seeking a way to, to uh, kill him. So with Judas kind of coming out and saying, hey, um, here's what I'd like to propose, they're like, this is great. This is perfect. We need an inside guy. And so they have their inside man, Judas Iscariot. And we don't know the why behind that. I think that's one of my big questions uh, you know, I'm I'm always looking for kind of an earthly reason um, or a rationale, a human rationale for Judas's betrayal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We know uh, from other passages that uh, it's indicated that that Satan has entered him and is using utilizing Judas Judas to you know carry this out. And at what point did Judas kind of open himself up to that? We don't know. Um, we just don't know. A lot of people wrestle with well. Does that mean Judas never was really loyal to Jesus and that, and that Jesus knew that all along, um, but that's why he invited him to join? There's tons of speculation that we could engage in, but we have to be careful with that, and yeah. we have to limit ourselves to what the text says in this case. Any thoughts it, about that kind of initial episode?
1: Uh, it's, it's one of the most challenging themes in the Bible to me judas iscariot is um it's one of the places that i have to go i have to rely on the character of god as he has proven himself to me time and time again because if i'm just being honest when it comes to the story of judas judas it is haunting and relentless to me Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's difficult it's difficult to know that um Judas w- was given spiritual authority. Was a minister in the name of Jesus. In of other parts in the Bible, that he he went out with the 12, uh, one of the twelve that in was performing signs and miracles. In the na- I mean, those things are so difficult to to grapple with, and I, mm-hmm. and I don't ever want to pass them off to to anybody. Who thinks that as just, no, 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 don't, don't think about that. Let's, let's not think because it is difficult to, it's difficult, difficult to realize that. um, I guess what's hardest to me is to recognize that the story of Judas Iscariot tells us that it's possible to be Jesus adjacent Hmm. and not be a follower of Jesus. And that's yeah we really we hard. attempt
0: to simplify it We want just a real clear clear-cut understanding and we we want it to be a simple explanation what happened here and it's far more complicated mm-hmm. but it does it does bring a level of um, I guess a heaviness mm-hmm. or maybe sobriety to... The idea that not all who follow Jesus are or are with Jesus are necessarily following Jesus.
1: And that's hard. And
0: yeah, you use the term adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's awesome. That's a great way to imagine how you are with Jesus. Are you following him? Or are you just kinda near him? Yeah. And we see t- throughout his ministry, there's plenty of people that have gathered and are listening to his teaching and and kind of go with the crowd to each location where he might be performing things. And even, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, there's this huge crowd of people that have been there and they're kind of there again because they've seen him do signs or they've heard of what he can do. But it doesn't mean that everyone there is truly following him. Yeah, And so those— multiple warnings throughout the scriptures that if he says, if you love me, then obey my commands. There's a lot of if statements that Jesus makes and throughout the New Testament, if, which are conditional statements, which just, yeah, um, brings, it's, it may provoke more questions than, than answers as we wrestle with this for sure.
1: Absolutely. I think that's what we can expect at the end of this. Yeah. To be fair for anyone who's walking along with it.
0: Yeah, um, you don't know when he kind of he kind of met his the tipping point for him. Like when did he decide? Okay, I gotta I gotta end this, or I gotta get rid of him, or or whatever. But and we don't get to know the answers to that.
1: Um, it, it is but. interesting. I you know I I would love to know in your study, Chad, if we go back to six and see the beautiful act and. Yeah. I know you know the pace of Mark is so quick that it's hard to tell if if the Judas Iscariot turning immediately to the chief priests is actually it was it was it something that was uh, pushed by the beautiful act that the, you know that he saw we know you know from reading in other counter Gospels we know that he was he, he didn't he didn't think that we should that they should have been utilizing the perfume. We should have sold it. This, mm-hmm. is, this is part of our coffers. This is part of our money we could have had. But it reads so quick. Was it that, that that's kind of sending him over the edge? Or
0: yeah, you really it is in the placement in Mark. You see this movement of okay, a woman comes and anoints him, and you know, in quote unquote wastes. This expensive perfume and ointment that was, I think it was, what is it, two, what's the the dollar amount on that? It was 300. Um, They estimated more than 300 denarii, which would have been a denarii is a one day's wage. So that's 300 days uh, wages a year they anticipated were yeah so basically a year's wage spent or wasted um anointing him so we don't know that's certainly would make sense okay there's something that we can grab onto we don't know but it it certainly could be something like that um we know that there was this there was a payment of money that he's now going to receive um because of the, the betrayal or his agreement to kind of go along with this, and we don't know if that, that is his motivation. It certainly is easy to connect those dots, and uh, we can relate to that in human terms, that there's sometimes very temporary, um, I guess, earthly, uh, earthly gratification can be a temptation to depart from following the Lord.
1: Would you have you ever considered the notion of like Judas having a God who foreknows from the foundations of the earth? That's what Judas was, right? Is he was you know this was Judas's role from the foundation of the earth, and the the fact that he is the one who hands Jesus over, although you know he's the one who who pulls that that plug from an earthly standard. He is in many ways an a, a a vehicle of the salvation of the world. <laughs> you know like there's some ways have you ever considered would I have been willing to be the Judas for mm. my Jesus? Do, do you know does that make sense what I'm saying, you know like
0: it does that without a without a Judas, without a betrayal, um, ultimately, you know, the the crucifixion and then the resurrection and the salvation uh, can't be ushered in.
1: I mean, it, it will regardless, but he was the vehicle, you know, that the, in that particular role. And it makes you think, would I have been willing to be the Judas? Because I think a lot of people have a, a fear of being Judas. Like, am I Jesus <laughs> well, and Jason? I-
0: yeah, I think uh, the text it says it would have been better for him to never have been born. Oh, yeah. So there's kind of a that kind of jumps to when Jesus begins to speak about this betrayer that it would better it would have been better to never exist than to be this one. And it yeah, I mean it also so I, to your question, I've never considered that that perspective. And you're, yeah, you're you're tugging on strings like
1: yes. There's there's some fra- there's some theological frame. <laughs> I yeah, think there's, there's some there's strings sticking
0: out that. Yeah. okay, you pull on the string that. Okay, is it a noble <laughs> thing for it to be the one kind of the scapegoat, the one that has to betray? So I'll do it. And I, yeah, I just we we don't get any sense that he was thinking along those lines yeah um you got the the sense that yeah how how much does he know or believe and does he truly believe that Jesus is the messiah and thinks that somehow he needs to initiate this thing we don't get a sense from the disciples that they understand the whole crucifixion For death sure, thing that yeah. the son of man has to die they they're like well, that does
1: mm-hmm. the
0: messiah dying doesn't really compute so i think yeah i think what we're
1: stealing before that right he, he was stealing from the coffers and
0: so i think we're just given the understanding that here's this guy that has been with them and in in real time in real history uh was not a true follower of Jesus, that at some point he, either he never was or at some point he departed from being loyal to Christ and in an effort to do away with him. We don't know fully why. We just know that he did. And what Jesus says of him is that it would have been better for him never to have been born. Uh, Woe to that man whom the Son of Man is betrayed." by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Mm-hmm. So Did never he, to have been born implies never existing. Like it's better to yeah, never have ever been than to. For him. Yeah. For and, that and man. And we
1: see later, like, isn't there some, is it in Acts that it, that it basically, and we know where he is. Like it kind of implies he's in hell. <laughs> it kinda, yeah. That it kind of. that. Doomed for destruction that, that we know that – what? Yeah, what? And,
0: and Dante ran with that, right? If you, uh-huh. if you experience any of Dante's uh, Inferno, uh, the, the kind of the final level in his imaginative and poetic depiction of, of what hell is like, Dante places at the very – kind of the very lowest point is Judas – uh, is one of the, the figures, and there's others there, one of those being Brutus, who was the betrayer of Julius Caesar. So there's this this idea that the ultimate evil is is betrayal.
1: Betrayal. Yeah. I thought it was and interesting. Go ahead.
0: Well, and it's it's the, I mean, would you agree, is that the antithesis of love? Betrayal? right that if if Jesus says there's no greater love has someone than this than they lay down their life for their brother. Mm. So is it true that the opposite of that is there's no greater hate than to lay down the life of your brother? Think about Cain and Abel,
1: yeah, you
0: know that 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 first generation after Adam and Eve, and that just all of a sudden humanity's spoiled, and the the thing that happens is, the the killing of one's brother rather than giving one's life for my brother. I'm going to give my brother's life for mine. And that's just, there's something incredibly, uh, I think, just gut level. You're like, that's Mm -hmm. just not good.
1: It's not. What would you tell as a pastor? I think that it's easy to read this and sometimes be fearful that, that, you know, Judas was Judas thought for at some time that he was a follower of Jesus. You know, he, mm-hmm. we, we, we have every reason to believe that he experienced the power of Jesus when he was sent out with the, with the 12. What would you tell people who maybe are experiencing a lack of confidence in their salvation or in their adoption mm-hmm. as a child of God?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great question. Uh, that falls into the category of assurance of salvation. That uh, people, you know, it's it's a I think a common thing when somebody comes to faith or even in their their journey, however long they've been uh, a believer and following the Lord, that whether there's tough times that descend on them and they wonder if God's even there, uh, and they're wrestling with just suffering and pain and and just the bad stuff that happens and so they start to wonder is God there and do I even believe in this God if he's going to let this kind of thing happen so there's that piece right and Mm -hmm. and so people will start to really kind of feel guilty or upset because they're they're not sure if they're if I was a true believer would I even ask these questions would I have these doubts I think when people are in um repetitive or kind of cycles of sin they're going to wrestle with that like if I was a believer, would I would I still have this issue? Would I still wrestle with this sin the way that I do? And why is this still a problem? And so I think you're you're right to to lean into that. What do I tell people? Um, I I will turn to different passages, but when Jesus says, "All that the Father has given me," like in John chapter six, those that the Father has given me. Um, you know that there's a sense that they can't be taken from me there's other passages where he says those that that if um the father has given me cannot be taken from my hand uh and so there's yeah. the idea that the the holy spirit who indwells with us has sealed us for the day of redemption uh so that if we have god's spirit in us then we can have this assurance that uh he will sustain us uh th- through to the end um you also have the reality that the people that wrestle with that question probably there should be some assurance in even the wrestling. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're wrestling with the question of, Am I still saved? That would not be a concern for somebody who is not saved.
1: Mm. For who I somebody love that. who has
0: not been redeemed. And then you get into those passages in James that you know, if you, if you turn a brother away from their sin and you've saved their soul. Uh, so it's not as clean cut as I think we would like it to be. Um, but there is some, some assurances given us in the scriptures that, that when we belong to him, um, that we are his. And in the same way that we didn't secure our own salvation, that would indicate that we can't lose our own salvation. Uh, the reformers would, would lean heavily into this idea that if somebody does end up walking away from the faith, that's an indication that, that they weren't ever really in the faith. Yes, yeah. And so that's where the argument for Judas, that although he has been following Jesus, he was never a faithful follower mm. of Jesus. And so... I think there's. He experienced the provision,
1: like you talked about at the beginning, the provision without the provider. He experienced some of the provision, yeah, of Jesus, and didn't experience the provider.
0: Yeah. And we know that just with um, uh, within this world, people will experience the grace of God to varying degrees that are not believers, Mm -hmm. and they'll they'll experience those expressions of God's grace. And again, those are meant to turn them to to Him and follow that tributary up to its source. But it it doesn't mean that all that do experience His grace in that in in the various expressions and forms uh, necessarily are 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 saved.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The common graces. The, yeah. Yep.
0: Common grace. There it is. Okay, so you've you've got this. Uh, the rest of this scene is now they're. They're all gathered together, and Jesus gives indication that he knows this betrayal is at hand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He knows that somebody's up to no good. He doesn't, in this passage, call them out, but he says it's one of the 12. So it's one of those that he called earlier on in this gospel where he, he singled out 12 and called them apostles, So he's saying, it's one of these that I've singled out as an apostle. It's one of the 12. And then it's interesting, their responses are, is it I? Yeah. uh Uh-oh. Am I the one? And he doesn't say, no, you're not it. No, you're not it. He continues to say, it's one of the 12, and it's somebody who's, you know— partaking of of the meal with me, dipping their bread into the cup along with me. And uh, and so he just kind of leaves it hanging in this passage that they're not really given certainty. Um, And it always, it makes me think that there's this scene where 11 of them are sitting there going, oh man, is it me? Is it me? And one of them's going, it's me. It's me. And yet, unfazed I, we i mean we again we don't get to know what is judas's emotional state at this point and that uh-huh. is just so intriguing right. and what? and then another time jesus will single out peter and say peter you're going to deny me three times and he's like no way i would never <laughs> and so it's just a contrast in this scene to they're going yeah. wait a minute
1: I, I wonder because I'm a human who has betrayed Jesus in in hmm. ways, I wonder how you know it, it would stand to reason that every single one of them in some way had already betrayed Jesus, not to the depths that Judas Iscariot had.
0: Right.
1: But and and to end in that same consideration that I wonder if Judas had even recognized the depth of his betrayal. Hmm. You know, yeah. at the point jesus had already had several near misses and Judas yeah. just just kind of thought oh you know this is just I'll, I'll collect my 30 pieces of silver and everything will be just fine and, we'll, you know, yeah, and the, what
0: you reference in this reality that we've all betrayed jesus in the fact that we are sinners yeah and those that have proclaimed faith in christ there is a a consistent issue with our brokenness and our fallenness where we will continue to fall
1: mm-hmm. and give
0: way to temptation uh, and and take steps that are not consistent with Christ. Yeah. And so there's these episodes of betrayal in all of our lives. And I think if, if we wrestle with the significance of this passage, not only is this a real event in real history and we see somebody who is so close to Jesus for, so, for three years, seeing the signs and the wonders and experiencing deliverance from storms and feeding in miraculous ways, but still somebody who is willing to betray. I think there's a soberness that should kind of mm-hmm. come upon us, that we should be uh, careful with our willingness to just kind of throw Judas under the bus. Mm-hmm. And and just be real with ourselves. That Lord, please keep me, maintain me by your yes. grace. Um, help me finish the race that was yeah. set out before me, as the it author of sense. Hebrews says. Cast aside all these these weights and hindrances, and let me run this race, uh, following after you. And let me right now search my heart. Make me aware of ways in which in me that are a betrayal to you, and let me confess and repent. And I think that's the key too, that Paul says, and I've I think I've said on this podcast before, Paul in, in Colossians two is just been a great instruction for me in my life, and that when sin bubbles up and when I'm aware of my betrayal, you know, I am I can either respond in shame or guilt or frustration and feel like I have to punish myself or, you know, deal with my, you know, go sit in the corner or spend some time away from the Lord. And and in fact, the opposite is what we're taught in scriptures, that Paul says, in the same way that you received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him. Well, we receive Christ by faith and repentance. Repentance. We trust in Him and fully in Him and His what He's accomplished on our behalf, the goodness of who He is, His power over sin and death. And we believe that and we say, okay, I believe that and I recognize in me a way that is not of Him. So I call it what it is. It's sin, it's rebellion, it's betrayal, and that's not who I am anymore. And I turn to Him and that's what repentance like we, And i mean you know this that we see yeah. the sin but we don't sit there and dwell on the sin and say okay don't do that don't do that that was bad that was bad but we turn away from it and we turn our eyes fix our eyes on him and look yeah. full into his wonderful face and 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 keep our eyes fixed on yes. him that's repentance and that's re- we do that that's daily
1: re- and and always you know it brings such it brings color to the psalmists when they say, behold,
0: mm.
1: that my eyes fixed on him and to behold yeah. him, and just that continual. It, it also, something you said reminds me of the new hymn, uh, Christ Will Hold Me Fast. Yeah. When I went, I that I, I get such a solace from that hymn, and I'm so grateful mm. to whoever wrote it because it it is it that's what it is it's you know when when i feel my faith has failed christ will hold me fast and i I don't have to muster up faith i don't have to muster it's christ is holding me and he will continue yeah that's that's reassurance
0: amen amen yeah not that we're holding on to him but that he is holding on to us Mm -hmm. and he's drawing us ever closer uh to him um I, there's this, I'm going to try to get this right. There was a a word picture or an image, a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, he's off in the East Coast, Scott Jones, shout out Scott. Um, He's the pastor at Jacob's Well uh, Church in New Jersey. Uh, But he, he would describe it to me this way, that the way that we understand our walk of faith with Jesus is, uh, and sanctification is imagine that. Jesus is at the center of this circle, and he's got a rope. He's holding on to a rope, and it's tied to you. And it's around your waist, and as you make laps around this circle, you know the the it's going to get shorter and shorter as it kind of wraps around the pole in the middle. Right? Imagine a, a stake in the middle, yeah. And the extent to which we. Um, walk in rebellion or veer from or or kind of try to go away from the natural kind of um draw towards the middle then it's just going to cinch around us and it's going to become uncomfortable it's going to steal our joy uh, we're going to really wrestle with kind of this this path as we wrestle with sin but the more that we um draw closer and give in and follow his lead as we draw around the circle getting closer and closer to the center. It's a much more joyful experience.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: the level to which we kick against or, or resist, it's going to tug that rope closer and tighter around us, and it's going to be uncomfortable. And so the encouragement there is it, you're not – if you engage or you fall to sin as a believer, you're not losing your salvation. And it's not indication of a lost salvation, but it, it is going to be uncomfortable. There is going to be discomfort and loss of joy and intimacy with Christ um, because you're resisting His way, which He lovingly is trying to draw you closer and closer to Him.
1: And a loss anyway. of intimacy is... I, that is the the coldest, driest most desperate place I've experienced on this earth is a loss of intimacy with Jesus because of my sin. It's, it's, and especially once you've experienced the joy of intimacy with Christ, then to experience that, that taste of hell to be without Mm. the Lord, just a little taste of hell on this earth to be that, what it, that to not have him, to be without him. That's,
0: Man, I think we're going to end there.
1: This is beautiful today. And I'm going to tell you, Chad, I was not happy when you started to say where we are going today because this is one of my least favorite <laughs> places, but it was good. I, I love it. It, 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 was, good. it was good.
0: It was good. It was a great time. Well, I want to encourage everybody uh, that's tuning into the podcast that's made it this far in the episode, man, continue to wrestle with this. There's there's plenty more even in this passage to, to wrestle with and to unpack. Uh, I hope you've you've gleaned something from our conversation. And again, I, I don't want to assume everyone that tunes into this podcast is a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're adjacent to him, as Casey said. Uh, maybe you're just tuning in because, uh, like the intro says, you're somebody who just wants to be better acquainted with the Bible because it it's had a significant influence on our culture and on the Western tradition, and so you just feel like I should at least know what it says. Well, welcome to the podcast. And and what you've seen is myself and Casey are two people that have encountered Jesus in a significant way and have given our lives to Him. Uh, an encounter that from which we've never recovered, and we're still uh, working out our our salvation in, in fear and trembling, in that we are following Him not trying to earn His favor, but because we have His favor, we're trying to follow Him as best we can. And we mess up and we make mistakes, but His grace is bigger. Um, I I know what John Newton once said, the, the hymn writer and former slave ship captain, where he said, I am indeed a great sinner, but He is indeed a great Savior. And, and that's what we believe about Jesus Christ. We, we are people that are saved by His grace, not something that we've earned, but we believe we need saving. We are broken. We acknowledge our, our sin. It's ever before us. And, and so we're, we're clinging to the hands that are clinging to us, and that is the hands of Jesus. And so, if if you have questions about anything that we've wrestled with here, feel free to email me. Take and read, pastor, or take and read at Gmail. Sorry, I messed that up. Take and read podcast. Casey, I don't ever email myself, and so that's where I'm getting you into should trouble. just
1: start emailing yourself. This would
0: solve these problems. <laughs> <laughs> just to, yeah, double check. Take and read podcast at gmail.com, uh, and you can send your questions there. I would encourage you to leave uh, comments in the comment section. Engage in dialogue around this topic. There's a lot of sticky stuff that came up today, and, and I would encourage you guys to process that in the comment section. Again, a shout out to everyone who's who's supported me through buying me a cup of coffee. You can go to uh, the link that's in the description below. Uh, buy me a cup of coffee and. That's a great way to support the podcast. There's also membership levels. So, you know, and I'm just kind of exploring this to see what this looks like, but you can join and, and be a follower of the podcast and join the community of Take and Read. And just to declare that you're one of those people that's committed to taking and reading the Word of God. And there's different benefits at different levels of membership. So you can check that out, um, or you can just buy me a cup of coffee, and that's also very encouraging so grateful for Casey, for you being and on the, the show today and episode here, jumping in, even though you were reluctant with the passage that we talked about, but it's been fruitful. And I, I thank God for his insight and illumination as we've spent time together. And uh, I hope everyone out there is encouraged to go take and read the Word of God. Blessings.